Hey, I want you to grab your Bibles or your devices, and I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 2 with me. And uh, I want to read the Scriptures, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 through 25 today. And uh, we're kind of calling this message, You're Entering the Mission Field. And uh, I always know that there's a lot of people live streaming too, so we welcome them to, uh, to what is happening today. Why don't you stand with me as we read God's Word, 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. I'll read it and then we'll pray. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. This you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Would you pray with me just a moment? Father, I thank you for just the worship of the worship songs today, just to exalt your name and how that you have begun a work in our hearts. Lord, you are here. You are, you are at work. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears to see and hear from you. Lord, I pray that your word comes alive and that we, uh, we just experience you in a fresh new way. Lord, I know so many people come in here with different uh, stuff going on. Some are conflicted. Some are struggling. Some have relationship struggles. Some are just wondering how they're going to make it. So, Lord, would you just be so real to them in, in the midst of this time? Lord, thank you for just speaking to us. Uh, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are calling this series Life on Mission. And uh, last week we talked about how that we are to submit to governing authorities. And uh, this, was, this was a difficult thing because these people were under the oppression of Rome. And yet here comes Peter saying you need to submit to them. And there's a reason you need to submit. And today he, he takes another uh, uh, step and then he's saying, slaves, uh, you need to submit to your masters. There was... Uh, there was a man who was walking along several years ago, decades ago, centuries ago. And as he was going along, he noticed that there was a cathedral being constructed. And he came upon the men that were at work. And one of the men, as he was hammering on, a, on the rock, he asked him, he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just hammering on this rock, just bitter and disgruntled. I'm just hammering on this rock. So we went to another man who was doing basically the same thing, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. Two men doing the same thing, 
But one had an attitude of disgruntledness and the other one had an attitude of all glory be to God. And we think, well, what can create that? One, one is uh, seeing just this near side and the other one is seeing the grandiose thing. And you're, you may be thinking, well, Mark, what does this have to do with slaves and masters? We do not live in the day of slaves and masters anymore, praise God. But we do, to a certain degree, answer to authorities in our life. And predominantly, you that work in the marketplace or you that go to school, there is somebody over you that you answer to, an employer, a teacher, a principal, somebody that you answer to, and you wonder, how do I subject myself to that person? And especially we're going to talk about work today because all of us are going to work. We got to work. We got to make ends meet. We got to pay the bills, right? We got to eat. We got to pay for schooling or whatever we're going to do. We got to do those things. And so how do we approach that so it's not toilsome, but it's giving glory to God? Uh, maybe you don't understand it, but in the very beginning, Adam and Eve were giving jobs to do before they, the curse ever came. So some of us think that uh, our work is the curse. No, it's not the curse. We, we do work, and we want to give glory to God through that work. And so let me give you a little biblical background, and then today I want to talk to you about how do we handle those careers, whether it be a student, whether it be a worker, how do we handle it in a godly way? And so to give you a little biblical background is these people were uh, first century Christians, about A.D. 65. Jesus has been gone 30 plus years now. And because of their faith, they have been dispersed all over the known world. And these particular people were scattered to modern day Turkey. And uh, they were under the oppression of the Romans, but also they were part of the Roman uh, government as a whole. The Roman Empire is, is, is spread. Just so that you can understand the masters and slave thing just a little bit. When it says the word slaves here, the very first word in this passage, it, there, there are two words for slave in the scriptures. One is what we call bond slaves. Paul says he is a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. James said he was a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bond slave means he has surrendered all of his rights totally, that Christ is his all in all, and that's, that's what he is saying. This word, this particular word, is a word designated for domestic servants. In other words, it's people that had been conquered and they had been assimilated as slaves. It was said in the Roman government at the, at the height of the empire that one out of every three people was a slave. Somebody owned them and they did domestic duties. Some of them worked in a house. Some of them were doctors. Some of them were musicians, actors, engineers. Uh, doing all, they were even soldiers. And so the, the, the domestic servants that they were, yes, they were owned by somebody. Their rights were limited. Obviously, somebody else was in control. There was some limitation that they, weren't, they couldn't marry, but they could cohabitate and have children. And we saw how that, that uh, translated out through history with the, with the Roman Empire. But that, that's who they were. They, they were domestic servants who answered to masters a higher authority. And, and so Peter is telling them that you are to submit to your masters. Whether they're harsh or whether they're good is not the issue. You need to submit to them. 
And what's interesting is Peter and Paul in the scriptures both talk about slaves and never do you see them telling uh, telling them to rebel or run away from their masters. Never. He's just teaching them, Peter and Paul, how to bear up under the circumstances that they're in. So today you're not going to get permission to run from your job. You're not going to get permission to run from your school. What I'm to, to do today is to help equip you in the midst of what you walk through on a daily basis. I think this will be very practical and helpful for you. But I want to share with you five thoughts that the, the Christian life brings, especially to this area of employment and working and uh, jobs that we do. So number one is this. The Christ life introduced a new relationship between master and men. It, it, it created a new master-man relationship. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, we see in certain societies you have caste systems, you have the haves and the have-nots, and, and these kind of things. Well, when Jesus came along, he all men are equal, men and women. All men are equal. All on the we say. On the, on the, on the cross, all field is level. It's all level at the cross. Everybody's the same. Everybody must answer to God. So it's not the haves and the have nots. In fact, Paul said, um, you know, Gentile and Jew, it's all one in Christ Jesus. So what, what Christ came and the Christ life came to see everybody as important. Nobody is not important. Just because you're students doesn't mean you're less. Than, than others that are making millions of dollars. It, it, we're all equal spiritually in the eyes of the Lord. And that's what the Christ life did. So these people were living in a relationship where you had masters who were coming to Christ. You had slaves who were coming to Christ. They were even in the same little congregations of worship together, sitting side by side. Even some of the churches, uh, historians say that some of the slaves were giving roles in the church that the masters were not. So the masters even had to submit to the slaves on certain level. And so what, what Peter is getting across and what the scriptures get across to us is, is that, that we, uh, all, we see all people equal in Christ Jesus. So if you're an employer here or you're a teacher here, you see all that work for you. You see all those that study under you. You see them as, as, as value in the eyes of God. And that's what the Christ life did. Um, and they're never told to rebel. Our masters were never told to free their slaves. But it's implied over and over again that you should live life differently. You should be different. And I, I just wrote down this key. They were told as Christ followers how to live together so as best to give God glory. They were never told to run away. They were just told how we can live this thing to give God glory. Your job that you have is not an accident. And you're saying, no, I worked hard. I got an education. I did everything possible to get this job. No, you did not. God actually is the one sovereignly that gave you that job. And so you have that job, and he has allowed you to be there. He has allowed you to be there for a purpose, and it's to make it different. You're not coached to get out of the situation, but to live to God's glory in the situation. 
And I know some of you are saying, Mark, you don't know my boss. You don't know my work environment. You don't know how anti-Christian they are. You're right. I do not. But God does. And for some reason, he puts you there. And he wants you to be there. So the Christ life introduced a new relationship between master and men. Um, the second point is this. The Christ life introduced a new attitude toward work. In other words, you know, it wasn't just working for myself to get paid. It wasn't just, I'm going to do this. It's all about me, which is our nation. You know, when it comes to work, it's all about me. And uh, But with a Christ life, changed the attitude towards work. Work was no longer carving stones. It was doing something to the glory of God. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that their lives may be saved. In other words, I bring glory to God in everything I do, whether I eat or drink or sleep, work, go to school. It's all about giving glory to God. Why? So that others will come to him. And then it says in Colossians 3:23, it says, "Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ." So whether you're making widgets and gadgets or you're you're pulling electric line or you're doing whatever you're doing, you can do it to the glory of God. You do it to the glory of God. It's not just about bringing home a paycheck. I love what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you shall wear, because the Father knows that you need these things, and the Gentiles run after them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So He knows your need. He will supply your need. But He wants you to give Him glory through your work. Everything that you do is to bring Him honor and glory. And it may be the smallest thing, but we are to live to please God. And I don't know what you're doing. Some of you are thinking, Mark, I'm just doing a minimum wage job right now trying to get, my, uh, trying to get by. Do it to the glory of God. Mark, I'm doing my career, everything I was trained for. Do it to the glory of God. Mark, I'm just a student. Uh, I'm just trying to get by. Be the best student. Do it to the glory of God. Just like I said last week, that Christians ought to be the best citizens. I believe that Christians ought to be the best employees, the best employers, the best teachers, the best students. I think we should be. I think there's something that sets us apart, and God has this for us. And, and so there was a change that came into work habits with that. Number three, this is key. The Christ life turns your work into a mission field. The Christ life turns your work into a mission field. Sometimes the church has been guilty of having you come to church all the time, come do this, go do this, do this, do this, instead of realizing that you spend 40 to 60 hours most of your week in a place that should be your mission field. And we don't recognize it that way sometimes. 
And that's wrong on our part. I ask you to forgive me because when it sets you free to know that when you get up, you set your alarm at 6 or whatever you, you set it for in the morning, that you get off into the traffic, you go to work. If you can just realize you're going to your mission field every day. And you may be the only one that God can get into that mission field. Somebody may say, well, Mark, they're so anti-Christian and secular humanist in my work that Jesus, if you mention Jesus, you're going to be mocked to death. And, and you're thinking, I don't even think I could do it anymore. Let me tell you, God has a reason for you being a light in that dark place. I'm reminded of the story of the, of the people that lived and they had a basement. And in the basement had a dirt floor and it was totally dark in there. They had one window, but it was blacked out except for one little crack up in the, in the corner. And so that was their basement. One day the lady went down into the basement, and as she went down in there, she happened to shine a light over in the corner, and there was a plant growing. And thought, how in the world can there be a plant growing? It's pitch dark down here. How in the world can it be growing? So she started studying this. How in the world did this happen? And what she discovered was this, is that she had a big old uh, uh, pot that she loved to cook with, and she had a hook on the ceiling there in the uh, cellar. And every day she would go and hang that, hang her pot in there, and that happened to be that one little crack up in the window would shoot one beam of light through, and what it did is it would hit that pot and shine into that corner, and there was a seed there, and it gave root and it growed. Now, the, the thought is this. You may be that brass pot, and you're the only one that can get into that dark place. And if you can see your job as the mission field, it will make a difference in what you do. Instead of becoming a whiner, you become fine wine because God can use you right there. Practically, let me just go over a practical with you right quick. You know, when we did the Art of Neighboring, we talked about the BLESS acronym, B-L-E-S-S. I think this can be very helpful in your workplace. So let me go over it right quick with you. The B is this. Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Take the tic-tac-toe board and do this, uh, students, in your, in your classrooms. Just mark on that tic-tac-toe board who is the people around you and begin to pray specifically for them. Learn something about them. Just, just begin with prayer. God, use me as a light in this dark place right now. This is my mission field. This is where you have me right now, God. I want to be used. I'm going to begin with prayer. Then the L is this. Listen. People need to be listened to. They don't need to be preached to all the time. They need to be listened to. Just to hear their story, hear what they're going through. And you never know when you're going to stumble onto a huge need right there. And so when you get up and you go into work and you start praying for these people around you, there's conversations that take place. And instead of just chirping all over them and saying what you, you think you need to say, just start listening. Ask them engaging questions. What did you do this weekend? How's your family doing? You know, just start engaging and listening to what is going on. The E is this, eat. Now that sounds simple. But it, it is a matter of doing something from a social connection. Doing something other than just talk about work all the time. Maybe it's a group of guys and you get together a fantasy football league or something else. You just connect on a non-work uh, uh, situation so that you can get involved in somebody else's life. And maybe it's something simpler than that. 
But maybe it's going to eat lunch with them. Hey, you got time. I'm going to lunch. You want to go to lunch with me? And just start social, uh, social engagement. So you begin with prayer. You listen. And then you eat. And then the S is this. You serve them. You serve others. This is always, as we love on Christ, as we serve others, it's amazing how walls come down. It's not a matter of if they accept me as a Christian. It's not a matter of of whether they like me or not. I just want to serve you. I want to be here for you. I want to help you out any way that I possibly can. And I don't know in your workplace exactly what that looks like. Maybe it's doing something for somebody else. Obviously, that's service anyway. But it's just to help them out some way. And it's just to love them with the love of Jesus. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, many of you have heard of St. Francis. There's many stories about St. Francis. But one particular one was he had a protege that was following him around because he wanted to learn how to preach. And so he followed St. Francis around. And one day they, they uh, he says, St. Francis, I want to learn how to preach. So he said, follow me. So he went through the town. They went through the village all day long, just meeting with people, talking with people, greeting people. And then finally they come back to to the church. And uh, and the guy says to St. Francis, he said, I thought you were going to teach me how to preach today. I haven't preached to anybody. And St. Francis just basically says to him, that's what we've been doing all day with our lives. We have been preaching about Jesus. And, you know, I'm not I'm not excusing to not use words. But yet your life as service will preach. So begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve. And the last thing is this, share your story. The last S is share your story. We all have a story. And don't make it a 30-minute story. Nobody wants to hear a 30-minute story. That's the me monster. It's all about me, me, me. No. Share your story. Get it down, condense it down to about, you know, two or three minutes even. And your story ought to be who you are. And if your faith is not who you are, then you're not going to share that. It better be part of who you are. So you share your story. You share your faith and, and just to see how God can use that. So begin with prayer. Listen, eat, serve, share. Just see what God can do. Just see what God can do. Most of your time is at work. Your influence is at work. And you represent him in that work. So your work is your mission field. You know, out here, when, uh, when you leave, there's a sign that says you're now entering the mission field. Where I found that was about 30 years ago, I was in North Carolina, and uh, I, w- I was, uh, this is back before Central existed. This is, I didn't have, I, I didn't, we didn't have a campus or any sort, we just church on the move church in temporary situation. So I'd go visit church campuses just to have building envy. And so I remember going to a a particular church in North Carolina, driving out, and the back of their sign said, you are now entering the mission field. And that struck me. I thought, you know, that is so true. And if we ever have a campus, I want that to be on the sign as people leave. Now, I know most of you had visual lethargy, and you're thinking, I don't know. I didn't even know that was out there. I guarantee you the first time you came, you noticed it. And you will notice it today because I've, I've drawn it out. But you are now entering the mission field. See, the mission field is not here. We come here to get equipped. 
Your mission field is where you're going to spend most of your time, most of your resources, most of your influence. And that's your work or your school. And that's what that is. So Christ life turns your work into a mission field. Next thought is this. The Christ life may, and then I put in parentheses, will bring some measure of suffering. The Christ life may or will bring some measure of suffering. Light shining in dark places is not always welcomed. Conviction comes. A purposeful life brings conflict to the rudderless life. A joy-filled life brings anger to the joyless life. A contented life brings confusion to the conflicted life. And a supernatural always brings conviction to the natural. If you go into a place and you represent Christ, you are the light of the world in that place, the darkness is going to try to put down that light. Your joy that you bring into it, there's going to be somebody whose life is joyless and they're not, it's, they're not going to like it. You're going to come in with a peace and a contentment because of what Christ has done in you. And somebody's going to come in there. They're so conflicted. They're going to try to put you down. Suffering will come. You can't put it down. In Hebrews, it says suffering will be a part of of walking with Christ. This is saying suffering will be part. I don't know what measure that will be. In our country, we're still very blessed to live our faith. And some of you are saying maybe, maybe not in your work. But, you know, if you look at that BLESS acronym, you can do all of those things. And, and maybe somehow by your faith you've suffered. And, and Peter is saying that's okay. You would rather be suffering for something doing right than for something stupid. So suffering will come. It, but how do you respond to suffering is the key thing. It's not a matter of if you're going to suffer. It's a matter of when you're going to suffer. So how are you going to respond? First thought is this. Will you react like a follower of Jesus? Anybody can act like a follower of Jesus, but can you react like a follower of Jesus? When you're squeezed, what comes out? How do you respond? Second of all, are you a grace dispenser? The word commendable in verse 19 means full of grace that comes out. Do you dispense grace when you're squeezed? And then last of all, are you going to be like Jesus? And that's verse 21 there. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. The example here is actually a picture of a stencil or or, or a indentation that a child would mimic to draw so that they could draw the example that is there. Jesus is our example in how to handle suffering. So how will you respond as a follower of Jesus Christ when you are suffering through your work? There was, uh, there was a man who had gone to Florida and he came to an orchard. And in this orchard, the pumps that pumps the water to the trees had gone out and the trees were withering. And he talked to another man in an orchard and he said, come here to my orchard just a minute. So we went to the orchard and it was very healthy trees. And he said, let me tell you something that's, that's so important about these trees. He said, when these trees were planted and they were little, I would only water them once a week. And the reason I would water them once a week is because I I knew the less I watered them, the more their roots would grow down deep to find moisture. 
And thus they were strong and healthy even when there was lack of water. Here's the thought there. Sometimes think about it. Maybe your suffering is so that your roots will grow down deep to find your nourishment from God. So think about that when it comes. Last point is this. The Christ life is a protected life. It's a protected life. Notice from verse 22 on down, he talks about how that God, through Jesus, has entrusted himself to be the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Shepherd and overseers, guardian, protector, guide, director. Um, You know, we are all immortal until God takes us home. All of us are immortal until God takes us home. But yet, he has obligated himself to take care of us as long as we... Does that mean we will not suffer? No, we've already talked about that. But he has obligated himself to be our guardian, protector, guide, director. And then what I love about it is, is that God obligates himself to care for his people. I love that. He will never let you go... uh, into a temptation that he does not provide a way of escape. He will, though, put you into certain predicaments that will tr- drive you to the end of yourself so that you have to depend on him. But the Christ life is a protected life. I hope this gives you some handles. Because Peter says, slaves, submit to your masters. Be subject to your masters. And we're thinking, I, that doesn't make sense. But these were domestic servants. These were, yes, they were slaves, but they were domestic in what they were doing. They carried on daily things. And a daily thing for us is either school or it's work or, or uh, it's taking care of, of children at home. I mean, it's just, a, it can run the gamut of things. And so I want to say it one more time. Your work is your mission field. Yes, your home's your mission field, but your work, where you spend most of your time, most of your energy, most of your influence, most of your resources, is your mission field. Here's what I want to do as the worship team comes. If tomorrow morning, now I know some of you do shift work and some of the first responders may, may not have a, a varied schedule, but if usually on Monday you get up, and you go into a line of work, uh, whatever it may be. You, you're gonna go to work tomorrow. Maybe it's just a matter of, maybe it's just a matter of cutting on your, cutting on your computer and going into the other room. We live in a different day, I, I understand that. But you're gonna go to work. Maybe some of you are gonna get up at six and you're gonna get in that traffic out there on 35, which, praise God for you. Uh, I just don't want to do that. But some of you do that. But if you're going to do that tomorrow, would you just stand? Would you just stand? You're going to, you're going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to, you know who you are. All right. Now I'm going to get the rest of you in just a moment. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Okay? Please hear me. When we send somebody to Romania, we send somebody to Haiti, we send our youth mission team somewhere, we call them up here, 
We pray over them that God would commission them and anoint them to go into the mission field. Today, you're standing, and I want to commission you and pray over you as you go into the mission field tomorrow. So, Lord, as these people have stood, they're on mission with you. They're going to go into work, and I don't even know what it is. Some of them have harsh employers. Some of them have peaceful employers. Some of them wish they had other work, but they're all going to work. And it is your mission for them right now. So, Lord, would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Would you give them an incredible testimony of your glory? Father, may they represent you well. May they be brass pots in a place that's really dark. And they're the only ones that you can do use to shine your light. Lord, they're missionaries disguised as electricians and plumbers and engineers and accountants. But Lord, you have set them apart. So today, Lord, it is my privilege to commission them and to set them apart for your glory in the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would the rest of you just stand. Students, it's the same with you. You spend the bulk of your time in school. You spend the bulk of your energy and your resources in school. And so it's the same thing with you. It's your mission field. We live life on mission. We're subject to those in authority. But some of you may need prayer today. And so I want to ask our elders and prayer teams, would you just come come up here right quick? And just make yourself available. Because we want you to receive prayer, whatever it may be today. You come. Maybe spiritually you're just dry as dust. Maybe emotionally you're fractured. Maybe relationally you're, you're just in the pits. Maybe financially you're just struggling. This, maybe you just want to bring your office and dump it on this altar and say, God, use me today for your glory.